This show is about growing your business. The strategic role of supply chain in creating value for the customer and enabling a good internal culture. This is my conversation with Gary Newberry from Retail Aid. Brand Tips, a show about growing your business. Here is your host, Peter Rodriguez. This show is about growing your business, about helping you succeed as a business leader, as a brand manager, as an entrepreneur. It is a collection of insights and experiences that I call brand tips, knowledge for brand management. And they're based on insight and experiences in real life, in real business situations. Hello, I am Peter Rodriguez, a charter marketer and CMO of Brand Igniter Inc. Today, Brand Tips is proud to welcome Gary Newberry, founder of Retail Aid. Gary, good morning. It is such a pleasure to have you join uh, our podcast, the Brand Igniter Brand Tips podcast to help you ignite your business growth. I welcome you. It is an honor for me to have you and uh, for our listeners, I want to say that I am um, a big follower and fan of Gary Newberry, who is an award-winning strategic advisor and delivery executive. So he has built a tremendous body of knowledge and, um, and, and advice and insight around uh, retail, uh, how to inspire leaders in the retail business to think big. And this is the time to think big. And he invites people to be bold, scale, adapt, win. And um, and I love his line of doing this in one epic supply chain transformation at a time. I cannot uh, wait to start our conversation and hear about your passion about um, how supply chain makes things happen. Thank you ever so much, Peter. I'm somewhat humbled after that great introduction. I was expecting to splurt out my thing, but uh, you've done an excellent job there. You should be my PR manager, but please to Thank be you. here. I can send you my rate card. <laughs> but what I would say is that for, for, for your listeners, you won't get an old flannel supply chain explanation. This will be, I hope, a very challenging, intriguing, insightful, inspirational conversation that we, we're about to sort of lead into. So, uh, you know, I just ask your, your audience just to sit tight, buckle up. We're going to have a really great chat. I, I'm very intrigued about the promise behind the rapid transformation of disrupted supply chain performance. You mm -hmm. talk about that and you're the founder of Retail Aid. How did you find the calling to make this your professional passion, supply yeah. chain, and how it is critical to business success. Tell us how how did you find that calling? It took some time. Uh, I, I sort of stumbled through a few things, found myself into um, a, a career which was aiming me towards uh, finance. Uh, and I grew through the next sort of 10, 15 years. I did an MBA. Uh, got qualified as a chartered management accountant in the UK. Uh, that combination was quite rare, and especially at, with somebody so young, because I was about 25 at the time. Uh, so it, it set me up for great stuff. And coming out of the MBA, I did a few turnarounds. I really enjoyed them. 
and and I felt uh, I was skilled in this area. I don't know how, it wasn't the MBA, it wasn't particularly the finance training, but I just enjoyed helping companies to get through very difficult, challenging times. And so I went from a company in Tripower and I did Stag Merger, which was a, a retailer. And then I joined Storehouse Distribution Group at a point where they were coming under a, a big attack from predator investors and wanted to break the group up and the uh, CEO at the time said no no what we do is we centralize distribution then we're outsource it if they want to buy us they've got to unpick this uh, and unfortunately he didn't survive very long because the next guy who came in um, said guess what we've got to get rid of some of these brands they're not particularly healthy and they're not really where we're where we're going so I, I, I joined them at that point that transition of contracting out and then decentralizing then I joined uh, AH distribution so that was full-on big merger and acquisition grew the business from um, something like 30 million to 350 million in three years through mergers acquisition business growth organic growth uh, and then I fell into uh, sort of like consulting work which was typically interim management work as a way of bringing in people with high skills and high speed and high energy to go and get stuff done fast so they could get on with the next stage of their strategic development. And I was one of 1,500 people across the UK, and I specialised in logistics and fixing logistics and supply chain. Around that same time, I did an MSc in supply chain management and logistics, which allowed me to make that decision. Did I want to be a CFO or did I want to do something more interesting? And guess what? I ended up picking, you know, stop the bean counter actually make the results which the bean counter has to has to tabulate once a month you have been also very focused on helping the retail side of things uh, you have been recognized um by rethink retail as uh, one of the top retail influencers so tell us a little more about how you have converted all of this insight into helping re the retail side of things I'd like to say that, you know, my specialism is, you know, delivering this rapid transformation within disrupted retail supply chains in the last mile. But the retail supply chain isn't just retail, it's actually the, the manufacturers, the third parties, the trucking companies, the wholesalers, the retailers and the last mile. Every time I finish an assignment, I'd go onto my spreadsheet and update with all the details and try and work out what this thing was. And it wasn't clear to me. I knew I could go in and fix big problems and you know get things done very quickly, especially with large teams. Um, but it only occurred to me, and I think it's 2016, that I'd actually been in retail logistics and in that in that widest of sense for that for about 30 years by that stage. And I'd done some other stuff in B2B marketplace and industrial products. But I suddenly realized, oh my goodness, I hadn't spotted that. I bought for mm. retailers, I worked for Manufacturers who who made consumer uh, uh, packaged goods or FMCGs uh, worked in logistics companies who serviced retailers uh, and dawned on me. It was like, oh my goodness, there it is. And uh, to respond to your, what you'll call it, I think that was the moment that revelation said to me, this is where I need to go. Well, you know, and quite successfully, because I mean, you're recognized as an authority uh, as it re uh, relates to retail and retail influencers. So one of the things that um, I would like to ask you, sometimes I hear people being a little intimidated by the higher 
higher performance logistics in, in going into retail and in supply chain. What what would you say if there is any difference between thinking large organization, medium-sized organizations as it, uh, as it pertains to planning strategically on aspects in supply chain? I think when we're a large organization, we have access to lots of resources. We have you know people in marketing, et cetera. And, and it gives us the impression that you know we're masters of all we survey. But actually the only differential aspect of what we do is probably scale because we have the resources we can tackle you know bureaucracy we can look at markets in a different way etc but when you're a smaller organization i.e not large so it's mid-size small business you have enormous ability to move fast you may not have all those resources to hand but you can act on fast you can act on information or read of consumers or customers you can you can do things that are almost unimaginable in a in a larger organization and sometimes um i think smaller businesses look to their you know if we look in in the grocery marketplace you know say if it's an independent grocer i might look at love laws and so if only but i think there's lots of potential there i mean uh, if we think about the plastic glasses that we we, we found uh, in the early stages of, of the pandemic that was de developed in an independent grocer. It wasn't a love lord. It wasn't a, a so they deployed it. But the idea, the entrepreneurial spirit came from, I think it was somebody on the Vancouver Island. He said, this is a problem. How do we fix it? Let's move fast. Whereas if, if that was so busy, I'd have to go through, you know, multiple levels of authority and check-in and whatever, and end up with, you know, a, a decision by committee as opposed to a decision by an entrepreneur to, to get something done. Now, when we think about the logistics, this is a different proposition. When you're a Walmart or a Loblaws, whatever it might be, you can command a certain amount of, um, I would say, you can demand that suppliers you use, trucking companies you use, fit a certain cost model. If you're an independent, your ability to do that is sometimes market forces. You, you, it's very hard for you to, to say, no, no, the only way we, we work together is you fit this cost model. If you want something to fit a cost model, you have to do a lot of legwork to try and find those suppliers who are happy to, 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 to work with you on that basis. When we think about the, de the design of supply chains, so you know, what I've just talked about is more operational or tactical. When we think about supply chain design, we're talking more strategically. It's very hard as a as a you know mid-sized to small business actually thinking about the supply chain design as if it's something intentional. Sometimes we we're in the hands of wholesalers, we might be in the hands of importers, whatever it is. But it shouldn't stop us from thinking about it. We can link that ability to stand back and then insert a little bit of entrepreneurialism. We may actually find that we can make a supply chain design that works a lot more effectively i wouldn't say necessarily efficiently because we haven't got necessarily got the scale but more effectively uh, and to give us more resilience to lots of these factors that we've been through over the last two or three years we had a whole series of supply chain designs which were complete and utter accidents we 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 we, we can especially businesses that have been around for 20 or 30 years and you know it works why change it you know it, it's not broke why fix it 
But what what we've seen over the last two or three years is that we need to really th rethink this. We need to say, okay, maybe the design was an accident. It was just a matter of history, how it grew up. But now we have the opportunity and we need to take that opportunity now to redesign our supply chain, to really rethink this. I'd say before that, we need to actually have a clear strategy because mm. often organisations flap around on strategy they haven't got their strategy is the next six months and I, I'd, I'd i'd beg people to actually think much wider than that what is that pictorial representation of where you're going and what's the strategy working back from that of how to get there and, and by the way my, my guys in the supply chain they need to do something different to allow that all to happen it all has to be like put together integrated not only integrated internally but integrated across and then how do we take that lesson that we've learned because we still have to learn how to collaborate internally and then how do we then use that as a as an example as an exemplar of how we need to deal with our suppliers and you know i think that that competitive edge <clears throat> is something that is not always top of mind mm -hmm. and i think that that connects back to the strategy but if the strategy is shifting or wobbling then how can this that takes time to build yeah. do what you expect? And I think that that is, a, that is a huge thing. I am thinking about the disruption that we have gone through over the last two years. Uh, I was reading in the Wall Street Journal today that December was the worst, one of the worst um, months for retail because it actually, the sales declined by 1.1%. That's in the US, but still relevant to us. And it, it invited me to think about the short-term view that we keep having. All of the metrics are that we have is, how did this month do versus last month? How did this month do versus the same month last year? And then the view becomes very tactical. How do you break out of that? How do you think, as an expert in this, how should companies think about this? Because we're going to continue to see this fluctuation. Uh, we thought at one point that we were going into online only and then people align to that in the short term to pivot towards online then retail seemed to have a rebirth last year because people were so happy to be outside and now it seems to be like a hybrid is happening and with all of this economic disruption some people are spending some people are saving some people are not buying how to think strategically from a supply chain perspective in this environment? Well, let's just step back to like pre-2019 or pre-2020, let's call it that, and just think that uh, the world was flat. It was perfectly predictable, regardless of what struggles we we felt we had. It, would, it was not preparing us for what was ahead for the last three years, as you mentioned. The world became round and things fell off it very quickly and we weren't necessarily in control of that. And the reason for that is, because we lived in a flat earth society, we constructed our supply chain, whether not it was by accident or on purposeful, but we actually had one, only one factor, cost. Could I get it done cheaper somewhere else? And the, the, the more that question was asked, the further out geographically we went. You know, could we do it, you know, if I'm in Ontario, could I do it? Is there somewhere cheaper in, you know, Quebec or BC? So what we failed to do is to evaluate risk we were never very good at risk because we're not very good uh, i have to say it not very good at strategy we have to slim down 
the amount of capacity, the spare, you know, the, the headroom down to like squash it right down. So our downfall and our reaction to, as, as businesses, our reaction to the, the pandemic has been our single-minded focus on reducing the cost. And it's not even it's not even that clear because when I when I'm looking at the supply chain, not that I would do this, but the, the typical uh, um, approach has been: how much does it cost to buy something? Squash that down. How much does it cost to get that from one dock to another dock? You know, across the ocean. Squash each element of that down. And when we look at that. And we think, could we actually do better? Yes. We could look at it across that whole piece and align things better, but we're so single-minded about, we only have like, we, we break the retail thing or manufacturing even into bits. Then we optimize each bit without looking at the integrated uh, value of that. And so not only did we have what I call in synchronous a disruption that you know we had things going on off on off and that caused massive disruption even within the business we had on offs going on all the time because capacities were you know weren't there and we didn't have capacity because we've been constantly pushing ourselves down on on cost so in terms of thinking about this we definitely need that strategy that's that is a key here is what is the overall business strategy and once we've done that we start to think about the risks around that what happens if what happens if? and then when we design our supply chain for instance let's get it into real basic terms in our warehouse what do we have to what capabilities should we have in our warehouse it may not be part of our let's call it steady state but we need to have the ability to move across those capabilities to allow us to react to borders closed or change of supplier or you know um you know, uh, extended lead time or just too many containers coming in all at once you know we need to build extra doors but we might not use but we've got the capacity to use those if we want to or you know different types of uh, configuration of racks we need to have our wms system set up for an expansion of e-commerce we may not use these things, but we need to invest in them. It's called, the concept is called optionality. So yeah, we, we have to invest in these, let's call it tacit capabilities. So it looks like we cannot operate in the same way as we used to. What's coming out loud and clear is that we went from a flat world to a round world. Yeah. Flat meaning mostly focused on cost reduction, in efficiency and now we need to have these considerations because things may change over time and those capabilities are not there it's important to to get the thing that the term resilient or resiliency on the table because there is a technical definition for this and some some uh, i guess retailers and other business may have fallen for this and that is uh, resiliency is a measure of your if you look at your stock in terms of weeks of cover and you compare it to the intended uh, period of disruption, if one's higher than the other, you're resilient. If it's lower than the other, there's so many other factors than just inventory. And what we've seen in 2022, and you know, I, I, I praise Walmart and Target for declaring they had a big inventory problem because they went out to you know, their buyers, their, their suppliers, and said, you get this on that hired boat and you get it to us and... But they, the, you know, the internal processes of marketing, sites, demand planning, and supply chain execution, which is like getting it onto the boat and getting it into the DC, overcompensated for previous demand patterns. 
with so they had lots of stock some of our retailers might be saying well more resilient well it's not great if we're in a downturn it's absolutely like bad Bad. that's these are things of resiliency but i see so many articles written about supply chain resiliency talking about like the inventory balance that's sometimes at the least of our concerns it is how does the business continue you know data recovery resiliency you know how do we if we do get a strike um you know what can we do to prevent it in the first place as a breach of security and then if it actually if they go through our our tests and our, our, our security measure and they still break through and maybe it's a, an internal employee how do we recover from that fast and, and restore our reputation of it you know people's data are are pretty safe with us. I think that the term that might apply, how do we ensure continuity yep. over the long term? And it's again, thinking versus this quarter or this year versus the next five years. Yep. And uh, obviously no one can see the future. I mean, no one is has a crystal ball, but we have our minds to do scenario planning. And the only way not to be surprised is to play out these scenarios of what ifs. And I, uh, I was talking to a CEO of a large multinational recently, and the conversation is becoming very, very short, um, short-timed to one year. How are we going to deliver the year? And especially in a market like Canada, where we are, we play within the North American region, and we're not a huge amount of the volume. Because I don't think nimbleness happens overnight. Nimbleness is only the result of having thought about things at least once before so that we can say, okay, so this materialized, I put in play this plan of recovery as opposed to pivoting in panic because there is no solution that we, this is an unprecedented thing that we never thought about. I mean, a lot of organizations are probably doing it, but many are not. Yes. Because of I, I think the like the average is not to do it because it's too hard. Uh, and all you have to do is go into a business and as soon as you see firefighting, you know there's a problem. There's a strategic mm-hmm. problem going on. We can forecast what we're going to achieve. That is, you know, we, we can sometimes call it the vision or the mission or some, some kind of convoluted work. But we've got this pictorial... Uh, pictorial representation of what it looks like and then we can scale back what the steps are but on each of these steps we have to do those scenarios we also have to understand the uh, advent of technology coming to help us and it can come and help us and disrupt our picture and we have to reset that picture or it can actually reinforce it and it could be earlier or later like say if we thought that at some stage as a retailer uh, there's going to be some ai component that they're going to be freely accessible to consumers unlike google and get some comp sort of convoluted thing back they're just going to say hey chat cp gpc whatever it's called uh, tell me all the alternatives and it goes off and finds it and presents it in like seconds rather than trying to find it on amazon or google or wherever it might be and it how is this part of our pictorial representation to actually have chat GPT or however it's going to develop over the next few years as part of this is it saying that this is going to happen and this is our response to it this is how this picture is going to look like 
say if we go back a couple of years when everyone's raving about him i think it i thought it was for a whole bunch of young people to work in or something and so there might be a temporal difference or there might be something that comes in which we couldn't think about but actually it fits nicely in what tends to happen is we get this technology and we didn't have a strategy anyway we have to do a better job of really thinking long longer than a year a year is just a budget certainly here in canada a year can slip through our fingers in no time flat mm-hmm. and you know, that would encourage people to do a five-year budget five years yeah and and actually do a monthly account thing against that five-year budget i know it's 60 months oh my goodness you know you're going to need a heck of a spreadsheet for that um but what i'm saying is that you have to value the pursuit of a strategy as the highest ordinate goal that you have and be aware that things can come in from the side to to help and you then have to have a um, a means of adoption or otherwise. But the strategy helps you to discern between what you will do and what you will adopt and the things you won't do. Those looking at all the different capabilities that we might need to have. Firstly, to to help the strategy, how do we we develop different approaches to how we interact with our suppliers uh, within ourselves that allow us to continue to, to trade Everyone, I was astonished when they said the pandemic was a black swan moment. In fact, we've had five in the last 20 years. Well, r- epidemics or localized pandemics, I should say. But it should be no surprise. But a black swan moment was the fact that we went into lockdown. I'm not so sure that would even be on my sort of scanner to say, well, what happens if something happens in pandemic? What happens next? We suffer of a consistent habit of amnesia. Mm-hmm. We like to forget things like I, 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 when you say yes about the pandemics. I mean that, that was not an unprecedented thing. I mean no one takes the time to synthesize how are we gonna get ready for the next one because there will be new pandemics, new crises, new economic downturns, new and at the same time the opposite, new op- opportunities to grow. But it looks like we are obsessed with the shiny object. I think that you said it perfectly relating to technology. And I think that ChatGPT is a great example of that. So I think that all of that has to do with what we're we're finding in the marketplace of an absence of uh, capabilities to do strategy and execute. And the other thought that you sparked in me is that sometimes, and I think that this matters a lot in supply chain, is we like to optimize, but we probably should be thinking about how do I make this easier? Mm -hmm. Easier for the consumer, easier for us as a company, easier for the retailer. And that is truly innovative and allows us to think about solutions that may not have been there because we were so focused on cost reduction more efficiency. But if we think about, is this, does this actually make things easier, better, or because and they do they help me add value? Because at the end of the day, the one who has the better supply chain can deliver the value that I'm promising. Yeah. If I promise value and I cannot deliver because there is a, you know, a weak link in my supply chain um, thinking, then value is gone. How do I make it make uh, give more control, more visibility to customers internally? But actually, the the, the the sequence of that is actually important because you have to work on 
strategy, the culture, the leadership. Uh, then you work on the actual tasks, the activity, the procedures, the policies and stuff like that. But so many go into the technology thing. They grab, you know, they take the pitch, the sales pitch deck and um, uh, the glossy brochure. That's kind of, you know, ooh, ROI, 28%. That's fantastic. We'll have that without actually doing the hard work on their data. Because mm -hmm. if, it's, if it's a project around AI, it requires, it does work with unstructured and structured data, but it assumes that your own data is going to be pretty structured. And, uh, you know, my experience of um, having called for various, you know, for every client, I say, well, I need to map your processes so I know what you're doing or how you're doing it. So I understand the context of what these processes are meant to do within, within like sales or inventory or whatever it might be. And, you know, it often takes an eternity to get the data. And when I got the data, well, this column heading here, look at these anomalies. Oh, that's because of, well, yeah, you haven't organized your data, whether or not it's a warehouse management system, a transport management system, a distributor order management system, a marketing system, a CRM system, whatever it might be. And then you can put the AI on top of it and do things really sort of whiz bang, collect loads of, you know, all in loads of data mm -hmm. and give you an answer, give you some potential uh, insight or some prediction or whatever it might be. But too many people start the wrong way around on that. People process technology, they start technology and wonder why technology programs often fail, miserably mm -hmm. fail. Yeah. So what would you say are some good do's and don'ts for business leaders who need to grow some? Yeah. In your first, experience, goods and dogs. Yeah, the first one is get a, a proper chief supply chain officer. What we have tended to do is um, if somebody starts in a warehouse or driving a truck, they, they get to be the supervisor, get to be the manager, they sit in the office, they, you know, smooth or they find themselves on, on, you know, leading the thing, but they don't sit in that room. And so they still take instructions. They, they grumble about them, they bitch about them, uh, but they still end up having to execute them because, you know, they don't have a say in it. So the first thing is get yourself a chief supply chain officer. The second one is to give them a brief to look at the design and rethink it. But they need the input from a strategy. If there's no strategy, they have to help the business to develop the strategy for the business so they they know what they're preparing you know their supply chain against the third thing is, i think would be just to make sure you do that the heavy lifting before you apply technology so do that that people process then technology not the other way around and, and wonder why it doesn't quite work out so these are just like three quick markers of well, what a successful company looks like. They've got a chief supply chain officer. Um, they, they've, they, that person's got um, very wide responsibility, very wide authority, a scope, scope of duties. And they will attempt, one hopes, to kind of horizontalize the organization. We've talked in, in uh, before, and and certainly I've I've got a great podcast around this. But this um, idea of market insights, demand planning, supply chain execution—they're often in like tangential parts of the organisation. That person should be able to bring the marketing insights 
down here, the demand management and the supply chain execution. So we, we tie the customer right back to the, you know, not just the supplier, but their supplier supplies. So if we can horizontal and integrate that and get that all working highly collaboratively, we will win any battle because underlying that is strong leadership and a very strong customer orientated culture. There isn't the culture is not left to be what it is. It is what we want it to be. And that's a, often the, the, the step that people don't understand. Every time I've done an operational turnaround of all the components, one of the biggest components I alter is the culture. I've had um, situations where I've been in union situations uh, you know, in very difficult, challenging times. I've had the shop steward on his hands and knees, and let me finish the sentiment, painting lines on the warehouse floor because he knew how important it was. And he was the only person that was spared to, to do the work. And, uh, you know, I've been called 101 different names <laughs> in warehousing. I don't care. But I know it, it's more off a duck's back. But if you can control that culture, you can make the company win. If you don't understand what culture is, you don't know, uh, you don't know how to leverage that in a good way, then it will be what it is, and you'll be forever firefighting and pulling your hair out. Why doesn't Bob just get the message? You know, I've just told him, and you know, whatever it might be. And, and you know, if you don't alter that culture to, to something that's positive and powerful and energetic, you'll be very frustrated. And I'd, I'd ask people who are listening in who've got this far, just go back to your office and just go, just sit back and go, if I wasn't here today, would this business, would the people in my team know exactly what to do next and just get on with it? Not just for today and tomorrow, nor next week, nor next month, in a year's time. Have they got the message as to how important certain things are, where we're going, what our strategy is, what our picture of, of you know, the vision of where we're going to? Do they get it? And if they do, as I say, they, they will win. We will win. This is very, very uh, smart and inspiring. Thank you, Gary. I think that we have material uh, for many more episodes. And, but what I'm... Uh, what I would like to just thank you for your time and your insight as you have taken us through a very different and important way of looking at supply chain. Some of the big things that stick with me is make sure that you have an officer who is capable of running your, uh, your supply chain. Make sure that you plan ahead and not only for the time being make sure that you incorporate culture as part of the way to make decisions that will keep you in business you can forecast if you try if you seriously try and um in a world that has not is no longer linear it is a round world where things will fall off this is even more important and this is incredibly valuable for this uh show uh gary because it's about helping people ignite business growth it's about helping people become smarter marketers and i think that one of the most valuable things that we can understand is how things work in from a supply chain perspective so that we can make good decisions i would invite your our audience to contact gary gary newbury strategic advisor and delivery executive an expert in 
how to make strategic supply chain decisions that will help you grow your business. Uh, you can see if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see his contact information on screen. And if you're uh, listening to the podcast, make sure that you contact him. You will find him on LinkedIn. Retail Aid is his company and uh, Gary Newbury. Uh, you can find him on LinkedIn. And I'm really looking forward to having you again in our show uh, to talk more about the importance of supply chain from a strategic perspective, Gary. Thank you for sharing your insight. Yeah, you're very welcome. And, and great questions as well, Peter. It, uh, you know, I had set out some questions to as prompts, but you completely ripped that up and made it a much more interesting, interactive conversation. So thank you for that. And uh, good luck to your audience. If they, if they need some help on the supply chain or, or the wider business where it impacts on the supply chain, please do reach out. Excellent. Thank you, Gary. And I'm looking forward to the next one. And this was our show for today. I want to thank you for giving us your time, your attention, and I hope that the brand tips, knowledge for brand management that we have discussed today are helpful, valuable to you as you grow your business and your career. Please keep your comments coming. I answer each and every one of them, and I thank you for the insight that you share with me and the feedback. So stay connected. You can connect with me on LinkedIn, or you can subscribe to the newsletter, the podcast, and the videos on YouTube. I want to make sure that you receive value for the time and attention you give us. Thank you again, and I will see you next time. This is Brand Tips, a show about growing your business, produced for you by Brand Igniter Incorporated. Become a smarter marketer. Build your brand management skill. Our mentoring and consulting programs help ignite your business growth. Start your individual or corporate plan at brandigniter.ca.